0: Welcome to our weekly podcast. We're in week two of a message series called The Struggle is Real. I think this is a much needed series, especially as we get closer to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Most of us are going to be around family and friends a lot more often over the next couple of months. But if we're honest, that's not always easy. You're probably familiar with the saying that too much of a good thing is a bad thing. You know, being around family and friends, that's a good thing, but being around the people that we love for an extended period of time, well, that can be a struggle. You you want to get together with the rest of the family without any issues. You certainly don't want to blow it, but it seems like conflict is inevitable this time of year. And that's because our failures, our faults, and the cracks in our character only seem to get amplified around the holidays. The struggle is real. And that's what we're talking about in this series. You know, our biggest struggle is not with the difficult people in our lives or with the circumstances that we experience, although those things are real. Our biggest struggle is with ourselves. Last week, we worked through Romans chapter 7, where the Apostle Paul used the word I 27 times in 12 verses. He said things like, I don't understand what I do, what I want to do, I don't do. I have the desire to do good, but I just cannot carry it out. And the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Towards the end of the chapter, Paul wrote about something called the law of sin. And the law of sin is our vulnerability to sin. It's the daily tension that we experience as Christians. The tension between wanting to follow Jesus and following our sinful nature. So Paul clearly had an eye problem. And you know what? So do we. As Christians, we often try to live for God in our own strength. We think we can solve our own problems. We think we can be Christ like on our own. We think we can love people how God wants us to love them on our own. But we end up messing things up even more. When we try to live for God in our own strength, it's like trying to fly. By flapping our arms up and down really fast. You know, if you go outside and try to do this, um, first, people are probably going to make fun of you. (laughs) You're going to realize it's impossible. You're going to get really tired, and you'll eventually wear yourself out and quit. Friends, when we try to live for God in our own strength, the exact same thing happens. Well, like the Apostle Paul, we need to come to the place where we can recognize that we can't do it. You know, we can't do it on our own. We can't live for God in our own strength. You and I, we need the Holy Spirit to help us if we're going to live for Jesus successfully. And that's what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Listen to how Paul ends Romans chapter 7. So verses 24 and 25, he said, What a wretched man am I. You know, Paul recognized that he couldn't do it on his own. He continues and he said, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. In verse 24, Paul wrote about how the biggest problem and the biggest struggle that he faced was himself. It wasn't with other people. It wasn't with his work or his circumstances. His biggest struggle was with himself. And our biggest struggle is with ourselves as well. If we can recognize And confront this reality, God will start to heal us from the inside out. Recognizing and confronting the inward struggle that we all experience may even solve the other struggles that we go through. And if it doesn't solve them, we're at least reminded that they're not really that bad after all. This is a different way of thinking about the struggles in our lives. Just about every self-help book that's out there wants you to believe the lie that you are enough. And that you're the author of your own destiny. Well, God's word teaches us that we've all got a heart problem, and there's only one person who can fix it. As a man, I tend to be a problem solver. If there's a problem, whether it's at home or at work, I try to find a solution and then fix it if I can. That is, unless it's something that's completely outside of my wheelhouse. Like if it's an electrical problem, I won't touch it. If it's car-related, you know, I have no idea how to fix cars. I usually call Gary. <laughs> well, friends, the inward struggle that we face is one problem that we cannot fix on our own. This week and next week, I want to talk about what is God's battle plan for the battle inside of us? What is God's battle plan for the battle inside of us? If you're taking notes today, the first truth is this. We must deepen our understanding of Christ. Romans chapter 7, verses 24 and 25, Paul wrote, What a wretched man am I. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Christ Jesus our Lord. So, when I say that we must deepen our understanding of Christ, the knee jerk reaction will be to say, What do you mean? I've already accepted Christ, I'm already a Christian. But that's not what I'm talking about. We've got to understand more deeply Christ's work on the cross. And this is so important because Christ's work on the cross not only forgives us of our sin, but it also frees us of the power of sin. Friends, that's huge. And this doesn't mean that we won't ever sin. You know, we learned last week that we're always going to have this inward struggle, but we no longer have to be a slave or a prisoner to sin. Jesus is who sets us free from the power of sin. And deepening our understanding of Christ will help us learn how to walk in that freedom. As Christians, we know that our sins have been forgiven, but too many of us are still burdened, feeling like we have to carry around the weight of the sins of our past. There's a phrase in verse 24 that I'd like for us to focus in on. Romans chapter 7, verse 24, uh, the latter part of the verse, Paul said, Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Now, the ESV translation is actually a more accurate translation. It's what's known as a word-for-word translation. And this is what the ESV says. Who will deliver me from this body of death? So the phrase, this body of death, that's what I want to focus in on for a moment. You know, understanding what Paul was writing about here will give us a whole new perspective on what we're talking about throughout this series. In the first century Roman world, soldiers had several ways they would imprison people or make them pay for their crimes. One of these ways was crucifixion. We know that Jesus was crucified. That's an extremely brutal way to die. And we know that he was also wrongly accused. He suffered and died. Well, let me tell you about another form of Roman punishment. If someone murdered another person, sometimes they would have to be chained up to the body of the person whom they murdered. And then they'd have to drag or carry that body around with them everywhere they went. Can you imagine if this was still a form of punishment today? Now, I'm not saying at all that we should do this, but it'd probably solve a lot of murders. And at the very least, murderers would be out there looking for skinny people to kill. (laughs) I'm not making light of this. You know, carrying around a dead body meant they were constantly carrying around the memory of their sin. They were carrying around the stench of what they had done. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about. You and I have this body of death that we carry around. We're really good at carrying or holding on to our sin. And over time, it becomes too much for us to carry. It becomes a burden. It's heavy. It smells. We don't know what to do about it. We walk around like those who had to carry the body of their victims in the first century. You know, when they were sentenced to this kind of punishment, there was absolutely nothing that they could do on their own to get unchained from the body. Only those who were in high positions of authority could set them free. And that's why Paul says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? You know, he's painting a word picture. Notice that he said who and not what. You see, it's not a parenting book not a marriage conference or a self-help book. Some of these things can be helpful. It's not a what, it's a who. It's not a program, it's a person. And the only person who can break the chains and get the weight of sin off your back is Jesus. Romans 7, 24 and 25, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord So you and I, we're still going to wrestle with sin throughout our life. You're always going to have that inward struggle. But here it is. You don't have to carry that stuff around with you anymore. Too many of us are carrying around the weight and the stench of the sins of our past. Jesus wants to set you free of that burden. Jesus wants you to be forgiven and freed. When we grow in our understanding of God's word, we start applying what it says to our lives, we learn more and more about this amazing truth. But God doesn't just want this to be head knowledge. He wants it to produce a heart transformation. I've shared with you about how I was baptized on July 22nd, 2001. You know, that was such an important day in my life, but a lot had to happen for me to get to that day. For a couple of years leading up to that summer, Um, I attended youth group every week where I was able to build relationships with other students. Um, There were adults who were mentors in my life and I heard God's word preached in a practical and relatable way. During that two-year period, I also learned some important truths like how I'm God's masterpiece and how God made me with and for a purpose. I learned that if I would follow Jesus with my life, God would take care of me. And that's an important truth that I wanna pass on to you today. If you will follow Jesus with your life, God will take care of you. Now that doesn't mean that you're never gonna experience hard times. You know, Jesus said, in this life, you will have troubles, you're gonna have trials, but it does mean that God will be with you. You know, personally, I would rather be with Jesus in the midst of a storm than to not be in a storm without him. Part of God's battle plan for the battle inside of us is deepening our understanding of Christ's work on the cross. You know, when you listen to the podcast each week, you're going to learn more about how God wants you to be forgiven and freed. If you spend time in God's word throughout the week, you'll learn more about who God is and about what he's done on your behalf. If you decide to get plugged into a growth group or a Sunday school class here at OCC, you're going to be surrounded by other Christians who are just as messed up as you are, but who are also wanting to follow Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Jesus said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. So friends, part of God's battle plan for the battle inside of us is deepening our understanding of Christ's work on the cross. His work on the cross does more than just forgive us. He also sets us free from the power of sin in our lives. Number two, if you're taking notes, we must detect and disarm the lies that we're believing. One of the reasons we continue to carry around the weight and the stench of our sin is because we believe a lie. There's a lot of lies that are being fed to us in our culture today, whether it's through the news, social media, or even the people in your circle of influence. And we're constantly bombarded with lies. But we need to know that we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. You know, our battle is not with people. It's against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That's what Galatians 6, 12 says. So our enemy is Satan. And Satan is the father of lies. His primary goal is to feed you lies. So as Christians, we need to test everything that we hear against God's word, because God's word is our ultimate source of authority and truth. Friends, a lie believed to be the truth will affect your life as if it were true. Let me say that again. A lie believed to be the truth will affect your life as if it were true. Satan's number one weapon Against us are lies. You know, he feeds us so many lies, and these lies only end up wrecking our lives when we believe them. And part of God's battle plan for the battle inside of us is to help us detect and disarm the devil's lies. So the question is, how can we do this? Well, we need to learn how to reveal these lies, how to remove the lies, and how to replace them with the truth. So reveal, remove, and replace. For every lie that you and I believe, there's a truth of God to counter it. And this is exactly what Jesus did when he was being tempted by Satan in the desert. You know, he countered Satan's lies with God's word. Ephesians chapter six, verse 17. This is part of the chapter where the apostle Paul is talking about the full armor of God, specifically the sword of the spirit. He says, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So if you remember back to the last message of our Get Used to Different series, the sword of the spirit, the word of God is the only offensive weapon That's part of the full armor of God. So what does the sword of the spirit or the word of God do? Well, it protects us from Satan's lies and it shows us how to live for God. Lies are Satan's weapon, but the word of God is ours. I wish I had more time to talk about this, but I'd like to briefly highlight a few of the lies that Satan loves to whisper in our ear. And then I wanna show you how you can counter that with God's truth. So the first lie the Satan loves to spread, is that God doesn't love you, that you don't have value or purpose. Well, God's truth, according to Psalm 139, verse 14, is that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are God's masterpiece. Satan's lie is that you can carry your burden alone, that you don't need other people in your life. Well, according to Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Satan's lie is that there's no way that you can make a difference for God, that God couldn't use your life to impact the lives of others. 2 Corinthians 5.12 says you are Christ's ambassador. So you are God's witness. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. Number four, Satan's lie is that what you've done is unforgivable. There's no way that God could forgive the mistakes and the choices that you've made. Well, First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So these are just a few examples, but I think it's a great reminder that for every one of Satan's lies, there's a truth of God to counter it. You know, lies are Satan's primary weapon, but the word of God is ours. And this is such an important truth, but it's so easily forgotten. You know, Satan lies to us. And then what happens is we end up lying to ourselves. I think it's safe to say that outside of Satan, the biggest liar in your life is you. You know, do you ever mess up and then tell yourself how much of a failure you are and how stupid you are? Do you ever make a bad parenting decision or a bad grandparenting decision and then tell yourself that you're a terrible parent? You know, we don't say this stuff out loud, we don't say it to other people but we're really good about saying it to ourselves. Satan whispers lies into our ears, and then we believe it, and we end up lying to ourselves. We say things like, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm stupid, nobody loves me. Friends, we need to talk about these things, and we need to face the truth today. We need to learn how to defend against Satan's lies. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Part of detecting and disarming the lies that we tend to believe means recognizing and confronting the sin in our own lives. Otherwise, we're just going to deceive ourselves and believe the lie that there's nothing wrong with us and that we don't have a sin problem. Let me ask you an important question today. What are you pretending is not a problem in your life? Let me phrase it a different way. What are you pretending is not sin in your life? You know, we talked about this last week. We like to rationalize the sin in our lives. We like to rationalize lies. That's what rationalizing sin is. It's rationalizing lies. This is something that, that Satan feeds us as well. He not only tells us that we don't have value, that we can handle our burdens on our own, and that there's no way that we can make a difference for God, but he also feeds us the lie that our sin isn't really a problem. Remember, Satan is the father of lies. So what is it for you? What are you pretending is not a problem? Is it an inappropriate relationship with a coworker? You know, is that something that you need to recognize and address? Maybe it's overspending. Maybe you're really struggling with how you use the finances that you have. Is it overworking? You know, dads, I think for a lot of us, this is a problem. Sometimes we get so caught up with our work at work that we end up neglecting the work that God has given us at home. So do you need to address the overworking in your life? We need to recognize and confront the sin in our lives. We need to stop believing the lies. You know, my pastor back in Oklahoma City likes to say that behind every self-defeating act is a lie that we believe. Man, there's so much truth to that. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse nine. This is a familiar verse. It says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it. You know, who can possibly understand the human heart? This is what Paul was writing about in Romans 7 when he said, I do not understand what I do, but what I hate, I do. To stop defeating ourselves, we've got to stop deceiving ourselves. We've got to stop rationalizing lies. We need to stop minimizing, making excuses, and denying the sin in our life. We need to recognize and confront our sin head on. We need to allow God to do what only he can do in our lives. You know, a lie believed to be the truth will affect your life as if it were true. Friends, we need to detect and disarm the lies we're believing. Number three, we must share our struggles with other Christians. All right, this is big. This is important. Let me say it again. We must share our struggles with other Christians. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is such an amazing promise. It's a promise that we should build our lives on as Christians. You know, this is a reminder that regardless of what you've done, regardless of where you've been, regardless of who you've been with, there is forgiveness in Jesus. God wants us to experience his forgiveness, but he also Wants us to experience healing and freedom. And sadly, far too many Christians stop with the forgiveness piece. They never truly experience the kind of healing and freedom that God desires. So 1 John 1 9, that's an important promise in the life of a Christian. But listen to the promise that's found in James chapter 5, verse 16. James tells us how we can experience the kind of healing and freedom that we're talking about today. He says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed so that you may be healed and then it says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective so the question is how do we experience the kind of healing and freedom that we're talking about well we confess to god for forgiveness all right first john 1 9 is so clear about that but we confess to others for healing That's what James teaches us in James 5, 16. We confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to others for healing. Satan is the father of lies. Lies bring bondage. Jesus is the truth. And the truth is what sets us free. God's word tells us that we confess to God for forgiveness and we confess to others for healing. A lot of Christians stop with that first step, but it's so important to have other people in our lives who are willing to be a listening ear, who will pray for us and who will walk with us through the messy stuff. You know, I've heard Christians say things like, I will never share my sins or my struggles with other people. You know, James isn't saying that we should put all of our sins up on the screen on Sunday morning for the whole church to see. That's not what he's saying. He's sharing an amazing truth about a gift that God has given us. You see, Christ's work on the cross has made it possible for us to go directly to God for forgiveness. And he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But being an adopted child of God also means that we've been adopted into the family of God. God has given us each other so that we can walk with each other through this thing called life. And within the church, we should have the kind of relationships where we're able to share the parts of our lives that we could never share with other people. Having a few people in your life who you can share your sins and your struggles with, who can pray with you and who can encourage you and who you can encourage as well, that's going to bring healing into your life. This will allow you to experience the kind of freedom that God wants you to have. Confessing your sins and your struggles to other believers, that's what will bring healing. If you never get to the place where you're able to do this, you're not gonna experience the full life that God wants you to have. So who in your life can you share your sins and your struggles with? You know, this is meant to be a gift, not a burden. It's meant to be a promise that we can build our lives on. I would say that if you don't have someone like this in your life, I wanna encourage you to look for opportunities to get more involved in the life of the church, building the kind of relationships that honor and glorify God. So, God's battle plan for the battle inside of us. One, we must deepen our understanding of Christ's work on the cross, and that comes through the word. Two, we must detect and disarm the lies we're believing. All right, Satan is a liar, he's the father of lies. But for every lie that Satan feeds us, there's a truth of God to counter it. And three, we must share our struggles with other Christians. You know, we confess to God for forgiveness. And we confess to others for healing. So the struggle is real. It's real. but Jesus has provided a way for us to be forgiven and freed. I want to wrap this message up with two verses from John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Friends, we are hopeless without Jesus. And the truth is not always what we want to hear, but it's always what we need. Jesus is the only person who can break the power of sin in your life and remove the weight of sin off your back. Would you allow him to do that?